Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab Podcast, Episode 7 for Monday, March 23rd, 2015. The first Gig Gab of Spring. The very first gig, not just the first Gig Gab of Spring 2015, but the first Gig Gab of Spring here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And in Las Gatas, California, Paul Kent. Happy spring, Paul. Spring forward, Dave. That's what they say to me. That's what they say. We can't go backwards. So, you know, we just keep going. You're not going that way. You're not going that way. Nope. That's right. That's right. How's things going? Good. As I had, um, well, we last recorded on, on Monday. And then since then I played the show of Goblin Market, uh, well, six times because we had, oh, seven times, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So six times, uh, cause we had tech week. All week, and then the show opened on uh, on Friday. So we had we had three performances, and it, it you know it's always interesting doing theater stuff. And uh, Tech Week is never described as fun um, because it's just you know day in and day out. You're just getting there, you run the show, and then you probably hang out for another half hour, forty five minutes, and tweak the things that you know you got wrong or that need to be tweaked. And then you get there the next night and maybe you run one other thing and then you run the show again. And, and it's, you know, everybody putting it all together, but it, it's always interesting because you start tech week and you think, man, wow, we got a lot of work to do. And that's true. And then you end the first weekend's run. You're like, actually, you know what? This show's uh, cooking along. It's going pretty well. How long did you have this music in your hands before tech week? Um, so normally, uh, I had it probably a month and a half, which is a lot longer than would would be normal for a show. Um, the the musical director was really um, kind of a nervous Nelly about the whole thing, um, and I mean he knows that. You know, I'm not I'm not speaking out of school here. We've we've talked about it. Um, he, but but there's some there's a lot of weird things. It's a it's a two person cast. It's two women in the in the cast. That's it. They are on stage the entire time. It's a one act play, eighty minutes long, and there's four of us in the pit. But really, the entire play is a six-person chamber piece. And sometimes the singers on stage are dictating the tempo back to us. And sometimes, you know, we're cueing them in. So it's this whole thing. We really had to come in with a lot uh, a lot of the prep work done ahead of time that, that normally you could kind of work out during Tech Week. So... Uh, we had, I think we had four music rehearsals before tech week, which is unheard of. Usually it's maybe, you know, maybe two, usually just one. Um, but it's fine. I, like I said, I'm playing an instrument that I'm not used to reading for playing the keyboard. So the extra rehearsals, uh, as much as I, you know, it was a burden on the schedule cause they, they just are, uh, were not necessarily unwelcomed. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting that you do that stuff. Good use of your chops, I guess. It is. Well, it's a good stretch of my chops on this one too. Yeah. And, um, it's interesting. Every time we play the show, I add an extra part back in, you know, a part that I, that I chose to like, uh, there's no way I'm going to get this in time. You know, I had to prioritize, right. You know, and, um, so, but, but, you know, opening night, I had some new little line that I put in. I saw the keyboard player who's the musical director who look over at me and, you know, I could see he was like a little puzzled, but pleased. He's like, yeah, you know, I guess I just wasn't listening as we were putting everything together, but you've got some really cool parts. Uh, <laughs> I said, well, some of them are new. <laughs> so, all right, man. So How today, about you? Did you, did you, did you gig uh, at all this weekend? I had an acoustic gig Friday night. Went great. 
we really had a nice time. You know, it, it's funny. Uh, we do it at a nice restaurant and uh, we have a lot of, a lot of seventies acoustic, you know, beautiful person rock that we play. Um, and this time we had a great crowd, crazy good tip night. Uh, and uh, yeah. And um, uh, they wanted to dance to acoustic music. So, you know, no matter what it was, they got up and danced and had a good time That's a little a bit towards the end. Yeah. It was just a very nice vibe. I'm really enjoying doing that stuff. I mean, I learned so much about a vocal technique, you know, it's, you know, the two people, they're remarkable vocalists and they're very, very uh, encouraging. And, you know, it's like a vocal education every week. And so it's really a lot of fun. And then I get to do, I do about half a dozen to, to maybe eight or nine uh, solo acoustic things, which is, you know, for you guitar players out there, it is, it is as good as it gets for honing your performance chops if your goal is to get a connection with people, just you and your guitar and whatever song you're choosing, you learn how to, you learn how to make a connection. And it's been really great. So those acoustic things, it's, they're just a lot of fun. They're great learning experiences, great shop builder experiences. And uh, I highly recommend that people go out and do that stuff. And it's a blast doing acoustic gigs and you're not lugging a ton of gear either. Yep. Yeah. Are these the two people that I met uh, when I was uh, staying at your place for, for those couple days? Is that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very cool, man. That's yeah, so awesome. That's good. That's great. All right, man. So I was thinking today, let's have the money talk. Oh. Not that you owe me money because you and I are square. Okay. But, <laughs> good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I got to go. I got somebody at the door. I'll be back in a little bit. <laughs> no, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> the money talk about bands, your local market, what you charge for things, and I think a really good place to start the talk is about uh, freebies. And, and, and let me start. Are you cool? We, we go down this route. Sure. Oh yeah. I have a, I have a lot of uh, a lot of strong feelings about this. Yes. All right, cool. So I'll start here. Being a musician is an interesting thing. The laws of supply and demand do not apply. Um, well, I guess they, well, they sort of apply. They do. In, They're just against way. you. Yeah. Right. Um, I do know this. Uh, early on when I wanted to get my band, a, 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 um, an audience and get us out there, I would take little money. I would take no money. I would, you know, whatever it took to get my band out there. But I also know this, having now been doing this for 16 years, I see when the professional musicians are like, you know, God damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Why are people bringing the rest of the market down and giving their services away. If you're not good enough to charge, if you're, if you're, if the service you're providing is not worth money, get out of the way of people who are trying to make a living doing this and, uh, and, and let the pros do it. And I see both sides of it. And I would say that the arc of, of my uh, career has been as I've become more confident in the value of the service that I'm providing. We've raised our prices. We do very, very, I mean, we'll, we, we will do a couple of charity events per year, but certainly not taking money out of anybody else's pocket by doing that stuff. I don't believe. Right. Uh, and, um, and I get it. I get, you know, it, it, if you don't value your own service, why should anybody else? And it's in the, it's in the way back rear view mirror that I understand, you know, the problem is, is that any gig, most gigs, 
somebody has a brother in a band, somebody knows somebody in a band. There's, there is, there's a lot of supply yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and not necessarily good quality supply. Quality plays very little into this conversation far too often, unfortunately. Right. But you know, what do you, what would you do with that? If you know, if you're, if you're, if you're a you know, guy getting his band together, you want to get it out there, you'll do anything to get out there and get started. And a pro musician looks you in the eye and says, dude, you know, you giving your product away makes it harder for the rest of us. I get that argument. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm, I'm totally with it. And I, I've never been of the opinion that it's good to give it away in, in terms of it's good to give it away because you get, uh, the, uh, the opportunity to play in front of a good audience. Right. Uh, I mean, I can think about the first bar gig that I ever did and we made sure we got paid for it. Now we didn't get paid what we probably should have, you know, we probably didn't even get paid the going rate, but we made sure we got paid. Um, I've done gigs for free, not gigs that I've booked. And, and when, and, and so, um, I'm talking about gigs that should have been paid and, and not gigs that, like you said, charity gigs, those types of things, totally different story. Um, and I'm actually happy to do those. Right. Uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, in the right circumstance and, and all that, I'm totally fine with it. But um, but in terms of going to a club where somebody's earning money based on me potentially entertaining their guests, there's got to be a you know we got to have a little skin in the game here. Let's yeah. let's let's kick some back. And and it's interesting, you know. I even have a floor, and and the floor is certainly dictated by the market here in in New Hampshire. Uh, the floor is a hundred bucks a man, and what I've found is. Again, accepting those charity gigs and putting those off to the side, um, any gig that isn't willing to pay a hundred bucks a man for, and, and I'm, you know, your band's a large band. So maybe things are a little different in that regard, right? Cause you know, with a 10 piece band, you're talking a thousand bucks and maybe a club can afford that. Maybe they can't, but with a five piece band or even a three piece band, if somebody can't kick out three or 500 bucks to have a band in there it's probably because their club is not the right club that it is a club that shouldn't have bands to begin with. And, and what I've found is it's a perfect litmus test for me. If I've got some club that's like, Oh, you know, we, we can't really afford, you know, that, but you know, we'll give you each $12 and you get to eat nachos on the house, you know, or whatever. <laughs> um, chances are I'm going to hate every minute of that gig and it's going to have nothing to do with money. It's just a good litmus test. If if they can afford the hundred bucks, you're probably going to be treated well. You've probably got a, a semi decent place to set up. The staff is is aware of what it takes to make a successful night with a band happen, and they'll they'll help you or at least you know make sure that you've got what you need at at, sure. at some minimum level. And these places that, is, that that you know give you twelve fifty and nachos, they they just. They don't even, it's not part of their thought process. Like, well, you'd set up over there, do whatever it is you do. And uh, hopefully you're not so loud that uh, my patrons hate you. Right. That, that's just the wrong thing. So I'll do gigs for a hundred bucks and I'll do gigs for free almost all day long because I love to play. And, you know, the charity gigs can be a lot of fun. There's usually a lot of people there and, you know, it's usually a, a good time. Everybody's in good spirits if, if they're, you know, donating their time or their money or whatever. But, uh, but I won't do gigs for 1250. It's yeah. Yeah. So that that's kind of how I look at it, because I don't do this. I, I certainly enjoy the money. Uh, it's nice to not have to hit the ATM. And if I'm gigging regularly enough, I never do. But it's 
it's um, I do it because I enjoy it. And those gigs for 1250 and nachos are rarely an enjoyment. Yeah. 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 So um, I, I don't find that the argument that we're a 10 piece band flies too often. I mean, and mostly okay. the feedback is uh, it, it, I, I, I am, I have tried to purvey that and, and musicians will say that, uh, you know, tell them you need more. You got 10 people to pay, yeah. but mostly the pushback is I, I didn't choose to build your band. You know, right. I, I didn't choose to make it that big. And the, and the gig pays what it wants. Now, yeah. however, I will say this in the last couple of years, I've really been pushing it. And, um, you know, like similar to last week's conversation, we've done our time. We've built our audience. One of the clubs we play, we, we will take the door and we'll, we'll make bank, you know, right. We'll make, you know, we've, we've had nights, 180, 190 bucks each because it's all door. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, uh, and we earned that. And, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of that actually. I mean, that's, that's a sign of success clubs, you know, you know, if we're just going to talk numbers, anything above 700 is a pretty good club pay night for the band. That's true here too. Yep. That's a, all right. So the pay scale is different. Yep. Um, the, the clubs that pay three fifty, four hundred, 400 or in that area that, you know, they get, they get what they get, you know, they're, they're, there is there there becomes a um, what do you want to say a pecking order right you know some most bands that have gotten to the place where they're getting the seven eight hundred bucks they they won't take the four hundred bucks gigs right and so there becomes kind of a natural sense of selection uh, type of thing going on and then you know, I told you we play a lot of these civic concert series so every town around here has a Thursday night in the summer concert series there are art and wine festivals all over the place here do you have those things back there. Yeah, we do. It, it, yes, definitely. Kind of town green style, style yeah. concerts. It's, you know, early evening or Sunday afternoon kind of things. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They've become huge out here. I mean, you know, some of the towns will get three, 4,000 people wow. you know, for these things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're huge. They're very social. They're very community things. The art and wine festivals, there are the big ones. And then there's, you know, a lot of towns trying to do them. I, I gather these things, um, you know, chambers of commerce want these art and wine festivals in their downtowns because it'll bring people down there. And, but there's so many of them that there's, there's good art and wine festivals and there's lackluster art and wine festivals, but almost universally the concert series things uh, be are great, you know, the, and you know, it, they're, they're the greatest gigs for us because better pay than a club date. We're playing, you know, six to eight thirty, yeah. and we're done, right? That's right. Yeah, on, outside on a beautiful summer night. I mean, it really doesn't get a whole lot better than that. No, to, they're to three or four thousand people. That's awesome. So, yeah. So, but there is a range there. I mean, there's some towns that they'll call and say, you know, what do you charge? And that always kind of takes me by surprise. And and you know, now I have an answer for that. But um, then there's there's one town around here. It's actually a very affluent town, and they have one of the most successful concert series around. I mean, they actually had to pass a town ordinance because they were having a problem that people were coming two days early to put their blankets down so they could claim their spot. Yep. They actually had to pass a town. 4,000 people come to this town's concert series and they want the bands to play for free. 4,000 people. You'd think you could get a sponsor in some way, somehow. And, and actually truth be known, they have gotten sponsors and they just pocket the money for their, uh, downtown development. So we did that a couple of years early on again, when we were just trying to get exposure and uh, just trying to get out there. Uh, but we haven't done it for about six or seven years now. And, and I, I it was a, it was a fun one because it's the amount of people, nice people, but um, 
but yeah, it's just got to be a part point of indignancy, but we've gotten, you know, 3,500 for some of these things. I mean, we get paid pretty well for some of them. So, um, those are, those are fun. I mean, they're seasonal, you know, they start in May and they end in September sometimes, but, um, yeah, those are pretty good ones. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The ones around here don't pay that much, but they don't draw that many people either. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a much, it's a much different scale, but, but uh, they all, the towns have them. They do. Well, I mean, a lot of towns do. Yeah. Yeah. And they're fun. Like you said, you know, you're done by nine o'clock at the latest. Yep. Yeah. It's great. Families are out there. Well, that's, you know, yeah, that's the fun they, part. Right. right. They're, they're usually uh, funny because, but we start playing, you know, six, six thirty somewhere in there and it's wine and picnic time. And then the wine sets in about seven and the last set is always a lot of fun to these things. That's right. Yeah. Yep. No, there's, yeah. I was talking to somebody about this, you know, we, we wind up doing again, you know, back to the charity thing, uh, a lot of, you know, cocktail party the events that start as a cocktail party and then turn into rock and roll night. Right. You, you know, and, and sometimes they're paid gigs and sometimes they're charity gigs, but, but you know, th- these things happen, private events and and that sort of thing. And, and there is this, you know, minimum required social lubricant number that, <laughs> that needs to happen. And what's, what's, I know this is a little off topic, but I've found that anyone that's organizing one of these things, if they say, okay, it's going to start at seven, they're like, we want music to start by seven 30. It's like, no, actually you don't, you know, you, you, people need to get that second drink into them and they need to get the conversation out of them. Cause if we start at seven 30, People are going to say we're too loud, regardless of how loud we actually are or how much it, it, it doesn't matter. They're just not ready for music. You know, they're having drinks. They're talking to their friends. There's a you know, they didn't just show up to have the the band play. Right. You know, there's a there's a whole sequence to the event and yep. every organizer gets it wrong. And um, and we just tell them we're like, look, OK, sure, we'll be ready to play at 730. But work with us here. And let's all be aware of what's going on in the room. And if, if we don't wind up playing till eight fifteen, you know what that we're okay with that. No problem. No harm, no foul, you know, whatever you want, whatever you and your guests want. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, that, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. That second set always perfect. <laughs> so uh, let's finish this conversation. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Are you, are you uh, uh, bitter uh, with the musicians who take free gigs that should be paid gigs? Um, well, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm bitter towards them. It, it's more, I, I feel bad for them because they're getting taken advantage of, right? The, the clubs that do this and we've dealt with our share. In fact, a couple of years ago, we made the mistake. Some clubs said, come in and do a audition gig. This is a club that is packed all summer long, right? It's down on the water in, in uh, Northern mass and you know, they're just in the right neighborhood and, and it's a great place. And they said, come down and audition in like whatever March, like this time of year. And, and then we'll talk after you play and, and if your music's right and this, that, and the other thing. And they, it's just a weird scene and we wound up doing it and it was stupid. We shouldn't have done it. You know, we did the, you you don't have to do that. And, and that's the thing is clubs that are going to act like this aren't going to change. If every band in the world said no, we're not going to play for free. We're not going to play for nachos. We expect to pay for a going rate. The club isn't just going to stop having bands, right? That's just how that's going to be. I don't think 
that the market is going to be able to say, you must give us money. And then they'll say, Oh, okay. Because if they don't value the bands enough to pay them market rates, then they don't, they, then that means that they don't value them. So if, if nobody's willing to play them, like, well, whatever. Okay. We don't need bands because they don't, yeah. they're just not organized that way. So I, I, I feel bad for the bands, but I'm not, I, I have no uh, ill will towards them. Now, if it's, it's different if it's the a band that I have to play in and I've got <laughs> right. And I don't, I don't book gigs. Rarely do I book gigs. Right. I, I got out of that business a long time ago. I decided I'm fine playing gigs with, uh, I, I learned a couple of things. Number one is, uh, I, I'm happy playing just about any style of music. Uh, I don't necessarily like to listen to everything, although, you know, my tastes are pretty, pretty wide and varied, but I'm happy playing anything pretty much. And, uh, and, and I'm happy letting somebody else do the booking. You know, I, I run my businesses during the day and all that stuff. And I just like to be the, the guy that shows up and plays. And I, I mean, I, I, I don't just show up and play. I help load the equipment and I set everything up and I wind up doing the sound if we're doing it ourselves. I mean, I, I'm a team player in that regard, but, um, it, it's, it, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the right guy to go out and book gigs. I just don't mm-hmm. want to be that guy. But if the guy who is the right guy says, Hey, we got a gig for $12 and nachos. No, 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 no. Come on. You know, and it's again, it's not about the money as much as it is that litmus test of this is going to suck. And then but you're, you, you've made your position of this clear to your band leaders and they know not to even bring that stuff to you, right? Well, I've made the position clear whether they know not to bring that stuff is, you know, a whole other conversation. But yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very clear about it. Yeah. I made it clear. In my band, yeah. we've actually um, we had a it used to be, um, you know, I would go out and I would. You know, it would be on me because I did all the work. I did yep. all the bookings. Um, like I would, I would book stuff and just send out a note saying gig booked, you know, this date, this time. Yep. I would be sensitive. Some things like if it was on very short notice, for example, or if it was a long drive or something, I would just you know let the guys know I got this gig, but it's a little bit different than, you know, mo- the standard decision making litmus test. So I'm going to give you guys a chance to say yes or no. Got it. And the guys kind of gave me last year, you know, we've really hit our stride the last two years. I mean, we've been playing so much, especially in these summer things. The guys were pretty um, vocal that uh, they wanted that process to change. They wanted a raise basically. Okay. And so, you know, kind of labor versus management discussion. And what we came to (laughs) was essentially um, I said, well, what I said was it's not going to work for me if I go out, do the work to find a gig and then have to negotiate with each of you individually, send it out Two guys say, no, that's not going to work for me. Right. We're either a band and we're in this together and you're you know, following the leader or not. But however, here's what, what I think is a reasonable situation. Will you agree to this pay and distance scale? So if a gig make, you know, if a gig is within 50 miles and it pays X, I don't got to ask. I just call you and say it's booked. If a gig is within is within a hundred miles and pays why I don't got to ask. I just sent you yeah. out and say it's booked. Yeah. And that mostly has worked out pretty well. Yeah. So, that's smart. You know, With 10 guys, you can't be waiting around and, and like you said, negotiating nine individual deals. <laughs> I don't think any leader should have to negotiate. You know, I think if no. a band is in it, you know, don't waste the leader's time out trying to get gigs, you know, c- come up with some agreement as to what yeah. it was. And like I said, once upon a time, it was like, Paul, we trust you to go out, get us good gigs, keep us working. Right. And then, you know, we can take this conversation to a lot of really interesting ways because, you know, my philosophy was 
you know, especially with a 10 piece band, if you don't keep working, guys will get distracted and busy with other things and you'll start to have attrition and the house of cards kind of falls in on itself. So yep. I was, a, I was a bit of a hard ass. I was like, if you're in this band, you're telling me you're available to play. I'm going to go out and book the band. And I actually think regardless, 10 piece, seven piece, five piece, four piece. I actually think that is the way to manage a band. If you're serious about keeping it together and like, if it's a, if everybody agrees that it's, you know, like a, a, a at leisure thing at convenience thing, maybe it's a different thing. But I, you know, if I was, I couldn't imagine, I wouldn't want to ride that roller coaster of gigs found, can't make it, you know, that would be frustrating and, you know, just too much work for the return. Well, it's a, it's a time waster. Uh, and, and I mean, we, we deal with that in our own way and fling. We, um, we essentially populate a calendar with the dates that are either good for us or not good for us individually. And, and that leaves the, the typically it's, it's Mike, one of our guitar players who's doing the booking and, and he maintains that. And that way he knows when he's on the phone with somebody or working something out, what dates were available and what dates were not. And, and then it's, you know, he sends out the thing. And like you said, it's a, here's the gig. There's no, you know, that's it. You, you didn't say you weren't available. So you're available. And sometimes it gets messed up and that's fine. But the, by and large, it's just straight and it works great. Do you guys yeah. do that too? Do you, I mean, do you maintain a list of, you know, bad dates for you know, when somebody's going to be on vacation or anything like that? Um, well, funny, you know, for many years, um, I, I would always know, cause I have, you know, I had a busy day job and, you know, then, then the band yeah, and I would say, you know, I'm going to mark off this week. I would say it in January, February, I'm going to mark out this week as a good week for everybody to take their summer vacation. But that was a little naive. Not everybody could, yeah. you know, for whatever kid situations or whatever it is, but sure. So that didn't happen that much, but pretty much the process now is if, if someone's not going to be available, they send me a note, I mark my calendar on it and I just mark them not available yep. horns. You know, I can sub rhythm section. I don't sub. And, uh, and so I, you know, just make my decisions based upon that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think it, it makes sense to me. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be able to, it, the, the person who's booking the gigs, ne- you need to make it as pain free and as smooth a process for that person as possible. And I'm very sensitive to that, especially as the guy who's, you know, booking very few of the gigs. I mean, I say I book none. That's not entirely true. When things come my way, I, I book them. Right. But I'm not out hunting them down usually. So, yeah. uh, but I'm very sensitive to it. Cause I, because I, I, I want, well, frankly, it's self-serving, right? I, I want to get more gigs and I know that if I make it really difficult on somebody, they'll find somebody else in the yeah, long yeah, yeah. run. Right. I mean, it's just, that's just human nature. <laughs> well, I think, um, I think the, the big thing bands are successful. If everybody in the band has a, at least a common, agreement as to availability and goals, right? Yeah. You know, I think that's a foundational thing about, about a band being together and staying together. If, if one guy wants to play once every other month and one guy and the other guys want to play five times a month, something bad is going to happen. It's just not going to work. That's right. It's just not going to work. So, you know, that's, that's a, a a first interview question, you know, you know, how much do you want to work and, you know, are you prepared for this and can you handle, can you handle this? I mean, a lot of guys, I've, I've had guys come into my band and uh, they love the idea of being in a band that works as much as us, but they, their life literally couldn't handle it. They right. couldn't support that, that amount of a commitment and, you know, say that up front. I mean, 
Don't waste time. The hardest thing for me, well, not the hardest, but one of the hardest things has been putting a lot of time into getting a new guy enmeshed in the band to have him leave for whatever reason um, after a, a fixed amount of time. It, it's painful to make a transition to a new player. I mean, it's, it's, it's necessary. I mean, nobody's in for life, but, uh, but uh, it, it is hard to get your audience used to seeing you know, a new guy as part of the, as part of the vibe on stage, you've invested a lot of time, you know, you're not probably not learning a lot of new songs. You're catching guys up on old songs. Uh, and I think like I said, we were our, our guitar, second guitar. I think I said this in the episode one or two has been like spinal tap. I mean, <laughs> guys, you know, spontaneously combusting. I mean, I'm hard on guitar players. We've had a, we've had a couple of guys who just weren't good fits. We've had a couple of guys who couldn't handle the commitment. We had uh, one guy who a fantastic player, and uh, and he joined the band, but he was really a front man at the end of the day. And I, I think he wanted to get back into being in a band, but it was just so hard for him to kind of be an occasional, you know, only have three or four songs a night that he sang. Yeah. It really got to him after a while. And he, sweetest guy in the world, amazing guitar player but he was not realistic in his own mind about, about what he wanted from a band. And yeah. now he's off leading a band and he's terrific and they're terrific. And you know, that's all good. But the, the transition, the transition was very frustrating. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, any kind of transition is frustrating. Um, can we, can we, but, but maybe this transition doesn't have to be, can we take the transition into the sub realm? <sighs> smooth Dave, very smooth. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I mean, that's, that's where we're heading here in, and, I, you know, the, the sub thing is an interesting thing. I, I I have a love hate relationship with the whole concept. I love being a sub in a band. <laughs> I hate being in a band with somebody else as a sub. Um, yeah. I really like the challenge of showing up and either with no rehearsal or, you know, very minimal rehearsal or whatever it is, having to throw down and, and play an entire gig with a band that I've never played with before. And, and, you know, catch everything. I mean, I, I, but I thrive on that kind of, and we've talked about this before, even with people where there's no subs, I thrive on those moments on stage where you have to be like hyper aware and, and deal with whatever's going on. And when I'm a sub, the, it, the whole night is like that and it's yeah. exhausting, but it's so rewarding. I really, really like it. But, um, but having to deal with a sub and having to carry a sub all night is also exhausting and not at all as rewarding a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my uh, core feeling about the sub situation. So I have a 10 piece band. Yeah. I've got five professional horns and horns are used to being that guy that get a call for a gig and going there. It is not a natural position with most horns about the commitment of being you know, a band guy, a, a band dude. Right. Right. And I have, I've from day one, my perception, my perception on this is this. What's most important is the quality of the experience your audience sees when they come to see you. It should be high, but it should also be consistent. And a sub is always going to make the band a little less than it could be. Mm -hmm. And this is the funny thing about, about that, philosophy about guys who see themselves as subs or see themselves as able to be subbed. Uh, it, it, it's at the end of the day, you're screwing yourself. You know, your, yeah. your, your band is a little bit less and you never know who's watching or who's potentially hiring you. And if that's a night that uh, someone's 
they're looking for a band for their event and it's not the best band you can put on stage, you've lessened the possibility, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot um, of, of, uh, of your opportunity to, to get that booking. And it's a self-defeating prophecy, I think. I mean, I, I can get the pros perspective that, listen, I play music for a living, so I got to do what's best to play music for a living. But that's a, I think it is a, you know, a self-defeating thing because I, as a band leader, I'd rather I'd take a guy a little bit less good because of its consistency. And the other side of this is, you know, as much as we're playing and our audience has gotten to know us. And when they show up to see us and, you know, there's, there's a guy not there who's one of their favorites. It's, um, it's, uh, it's yeah, they're missing out. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I do not like, uh, having, you know, a band that I play with regularly have to play without me and, and with a sub for exactly that reason. It's, you know, it's not going to be as good. Uh, and it's, it's not, I mean, they might even hire a sub that's better than me, which might mean that I never play with that band again, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, well, listen, that's a possibility too, right? You sub it out enough and it's like, uh, who's actually the sub here, right? <laughs> the Lou Gehrig syndrome. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, but, but even that aside, I mean, it, the guy could be better than me. It doesn't matter un- unless it, it's different and it's not going to be, the band's not going to hit the stage like they're wearing an old pair of pair of shoes, right? You know, it's not going to be that comfortable thing where all those little nuances that have kind of either you've either intentionally worked out or that have just worked themselves out because you played these songs over and over again with each other. You know, those kinds of things are not going to be there and everybody's on edge. And sometimes, like I said, as a sub, sometimes there are beautiful moments on stage, but it never is as good as the band could be. Even if the sub is better, it doesn't matter. I, 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 I would categorize it as a necessary evil. I mean, nine guys shouldn't not work because one guy isn't available. I don't think that that's fair either. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you're talking about the nuances. You know, our band has evolved that there's a little bit of banter on the stage, right. that there's a couple, you know, times like, you know, we have a, we have a big finale song where the horns come out from their lineup and they're right in the front of the stage. And, and you have one guy who doesn't know the, hasn't memorized the lick. And so, you know, you know, it can't happen and you're cheating the audience. It's a little bit less than what they, you know, have a hope to get or what you could give them. And that's, that's a very disheartening thing. It is, uh, my guys have gotten maybe because we work so much, you know, I give them enough work that in general, they're they're That's one way that they show, I, I don't know. I, I guess loyalty is a fair word yeah. or maybe it's just practicality that we work enough uh, and you know, we work enough and we get paid enough that it's, uh, it makes sense to continue to invest in making our product the best product that it can be. But, um, yeah, it was something I fought, you know, pretty hard for a long time. I know a guy who they, there's a band in this area that, that they're like very famous cover band. They get a lot of the real top, top corporate gigs, you know, the biggest charity gigs. And, um, we had their, their trombone player for a while and I was asking him what it was like when they run that band. And the guy said, real simple. He said, you're the requirement is you stay available until one, you, you can only book something else in a one month window. So if you're not booked with us, uh, by June 1st, you can take something in the month of June, uh, you, you know, and yeah. you can do that. Yeah. But so, but, but up in your window is one month, never huh. more than one month. That's, and if you, that's reasonable. Yeah. If you bow out more than once, you're not first call anymore. And they, and they've replaced 
several people. So I I think that is reasonable. Yeah, totally. No, that makes that that makes good sense. And again, it's you you know, it's back to that consistency thing. Everybody knows what to expect. There's no surprises. Right. You have a policy and it just makes it easy. I I, think that's smart. I'll put you on the spot here. So you're you you have this first book policy with the different projects you're in, right? Yeah. So what do you do when you get the grief from from band B because you're you're busy with band A and you say, I'm sorry, I got to do it. And he says, well, you know, you doing this means the rest of us are sitting home. How do you respond? Uh, Yeah, that's exactly what it means. Um, And and hopefully it it goes both directions. Right. And and I. Uh, where, where I have failed with this lately, actually, in fact, this theater gig that I'm doing, um, I had to move a, a fling gig for it and I felt horrible about it. And in retrospect, you know, especially as I was coming into this and things were a little bit different than I had learned. And, you know, you heard me that first week when we talked about this, I wasn't entirely thrilled about this, this particular show. I'm thinking, man, this is what I get for not sticking to my own guns. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is karma and this is how it works. Now, I mean, this theater gig's fine and I've, I've you know, the people are great. And so it's, it's all fine. But, um, but I did move a gig and, and it, I'm going to pay for it. Right. Because I've, now I have to play a gig in a smoky, we play this one place that's um, it's a, it's an American Legion club. And because it's a club, they can still smoke in there. And so Oof. I got to play this. Yeah, I know. So, you know, I wasn't entirely sad to move it. I was more sad that it got rebooked. <laughs> um, but we've got to play it and I've got to play it, you know, until whatever midnight the night before I got to get on an airplane to Vegas for a trade show the next morning. So, it, wow. yeah, and it might mean missing one of my son's hockey games. And so it's like this whole big, you know, it, it sets into a into play this whole cascade of events. Um, but it does. It happens. And um, it's just how it works. And, and the guys understand it, you know, when, a, once a gig's booked, it's, it's booked. Now, if it's something that comes up, it depends on what's booked. I do a lot of the gigs with, uh, this acoustic, uh, trio and they can play as a duo and they do play as a duo. In fact, a lot of times they'll get called and booked as a duo. And so I'm, I'm not invited. And I mean, there's no harm and no foul or anything, but what it does mean is that if we're booked as a trio, and something comes up for fling that, you know, is a kind of a, a important gig and the guys are pushing on me. I can usually bow out without impacting the other guys at all. Right. They're used to playing as a duo. The club will be fine with it. And they actually put a little more money in their pocket, you know. Mm. So sometimes that happens. But for the most part, it's nope, I'm booked. And wow. uh and that's that, uh, but here, it, you know, fling plays once or twice a month. So it's not, it, it, it's, it, there's an expectation there that, you know, that we do other things. Well, so here's the corollary to everything I'm saying. Yeah. As much as I want to complain, the smart band leader does one of two things. He either lays down the law, you know, as I told you, some of these bands have done. Sure. Or he's got his plan B. He's got his, his, his B team of, of prepared subs and he's prepared for all eventualities. And that's how he keeps his band, his band going. We, we over the years have evolved a decent B team. Uh, uh, we have this great guy who sits in on, on Barry Sachs for us. His name is Shaggy. And, uh, you know, he's just a lot of fun. He, he, he woodsheds the hell out of our charts and, and, uh, and it, we have been very fortunate to find him that, you know, he usually can slide in if our tenor player is gone, our Barry player slides over to tenor and, uh, and Shaggy can sit in on, on, uh, 
on uh, Barry Sachs. Great entertainer, super guy, great to be around. We have a couple of great sub trumpets now. We had, tr- Bones are a little bit harder, but our trombone player has been very diligent. You know, and I, he hasn't really missed a gig in, in three or four years. So uh, the smart band leader probably fights to keep the consistency at a certain level and uses that as the as the first level of argument. Sure. But, but is prepared to deal with the reality of the world that, that stuff happens and, and is ready to go, you know, and, and is never caught with his flat footed. Sure. Yeah. He, right. Well, that's, you know, I, I mean, I can see that in fling. We actually have no, we have a no sub rule. We, we will never, the way our tunes have worked out, it would be, it would be terrible. In fact, to have a sub um, we did, we have done, uh, I think two gigs, Without our keyboard player, which kills me because most of the harmonies that we've worked out um, are between me and him. So it puts a lot of pressure on me all night long um, and really forces us to kind of change the set. And we've done it where, you know, we've gotten a phone call the morning of a gig that he's stuck in Baltimore and, you know, his flights canceled or, you know, whatever. And he's just not going to make it back. And um, we've done that twice and it's okay. Um, It's not the same band. But, oh, not even close. No, no. And it's and, you know, the thing is, it's um, it's actually a a lot less fun for me. And, and and, you know, I'm back to why I do this. Right. You know, we're not doing this to get rich. So it's like, yeah, I wouldn't. And so there have been opportunities. He he's actually had some stuff going on in his life that has him traveling a whole lot more than he used to. And and that kind of thing. So there are gigs that we just have to turn down because he's unavailable. And and for a while there was a push. Uh, by one of the other guys in the band to, you know, well, we could just do gigs without him. And I said, well, if that's what we're going to do, then we need to retool everything, but I'm not just going to take what we have and pull him out and just go play without him because it's, it's four fifths of what we are. And, you know, arguably maybe even, you know, three fifths of what we are just because of how integral he is into, into everything and how much he sings and, and all of that. So, yeah, but yeah, Fling, we, we don't sub Chafe, the other band, the other full rock band that I play in regularly. Uh, that band is is very loose. We don't have a set list. That's the band where the guitar player uh, basically, you know, can play anything that anybody requests. He's just got that <laughs> that mind for it. So so that band, it's easy, easier to sub, but you need people that can listen and follow. Uh, they do have another drummer who's fantastic and uh and real and is and plays with this guitar player in a different band so him subbing is almost not even like having a sub it's just you know somebody else that's used to his shenanigans um and i and i say that with love so so it works out great i don't feel bad at all if that has to be subbed out you know it's like oh yeah okay troy's playing great awesome good so to kind of pull both these conversations together and they are actually related because the concept of pay and the concept of quality and putting a quality product out there. I, I know I said before, quality is a very subjective thing. Many places don't uh, hire based on quality, you know, in, in the club world, it so seems. However, building an audience is a, is one of the core things to being a successful group and having consistency in your lineup, consistency in your sound, consistency in the delivery of what you do plays right into that. Yep. And so, you know, they're, they're related, you know, a good band is a band and I, I'll get a little, little mushy here. I still believe people want to see a band. They want to see a bunch of guys who 
you know, have gone through the wars together and, and look forward to making music together. It's part of why it's part of the difference between that and just a DJ, right? Just right. Put, putting some music, you know, on, on a record. Yeah. It's uh, a band is still a thing that is, uh, is part of the art form people playing together, people who know each other intimately, people who are communicating a vibe. I mean, we're playing very, we're playing rock and roll. We're playing very emotional music, uh, the soundtrack of people's lives. And so uh, the, it, it is something to be, cared for caretaken and uh is something that is is still going to be very important to people who have done right but if you do it all willy-nilly you're not doing it right and uh and the product suffers your audience suffers the the the, the qualitative aspects and the proposition of great live music suffers yeah i'll i'll i'll, I'll agree a hundred percent with that when it comes to a rock and roll gig and 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 actually to, to some, at some level, I'll agree with it for any kind of band gig. People want to see that uh, that camaraderie, right? They, that that comes off the stage. And that often is the thing that opens the door for people to, you know, get up and and move and feel comfortable, you know, uh, having fun with you because you're having fun with each other. Right. And if it's a sterile environment where it's like, OK, now it's, you know, chart number 42. Uh, don't forget the uh, the modulation at you know, bar 62 counted off and go. Right. There's that's that's not the kind of camaraderie and interaction that that endears you to folks. Right. People want to see you joking around and clearly, you know, have a, a long relationship with each other and that sort of thing. The the pickup band concept works a lot i've i've done it with rock and roll and it works fine and it can be fun um it works even better in a jazz situation where you're playing traditional jazz and you're playing standards uh for whatever reason that that can that can work a lot better but it's a different expectation from the audience in in different vibe it's a different vibe yeah 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 um and and it's the vibe where each player is kind of featured it, it not simultaneously but individually throughout the night and so you can it's a it's a different vibe yeah totally totally yeah that's why we have no sub rule in fling it's it, because we have a good you know a good product when we're all together and that's when we know it and, and you're willing to you're willing to say i'd rather take a night off than yeah, try a sub that's right yeah that's big yeah and, and, oh, primarily because we like it less without all five of us mm. that's what it comes down to so i mean it, it but i get putting the priority on well the gig's booked we got to do the gig so we're nine tenths of what we normally are eh, you yeah. know it's okay nothing wrong with it good stuff dave good stuff thanks for listening folks uh giggabpodcast.com we are now in itunes we got a great new logo out there and uh subscribe let us know what you think feedback at giggabpodcast.com where else can they find us paul facebook we got a gig gab Gig Gab Podcast Facebook page. That's right. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll post to all these different things in, in, different, in different ways at different times. Yeah. But mostly we want to start hearing from people, uh, you know, what they, what they think of the show, ideas for topics. Uh, are we doing it right? Are we covering things of importance to you? Uh, you got two musicians here who think about this stuff and in order and amount of time. So yeah. let's talk about what you guys want to talk about. Yeah. It's almost unhealthy. The amount we think about it, but, uh, <laughs> but that's a good thing. I think, that's Hey, right. can you make me an admin of our uh, Facebook community? I keep meaning to ask you that. So I, I figured do it right now. Here. All right, sweet. <laughs> All right. Thanks folks. We will see you next week. Thanks Paul. Have a good night. See you Dave.